everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic, even the random. Brand. I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rap room. What's up, y'all? I hate you. <laughs> what I do now? I ain't even started yet. You know, you know. <laughs> you what I'm talking I know about? I'm trying to be healthy as a. He- can I intro? I need, I need can I intro the damn show for <laughs> the right, kids? Go ahead, go ahead. Y'all see what I gotta deal with every week with her? You see what I'm talking about? What's up, y'all? <laughs> it's your boy Hilliard Guest, the enabler. Uh huh. <laughs> and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Will we keep it street? We keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? To- Hold up. Hold up. She ain't even going to say it with me. I was We're going to say 2015. Really? She really? Okay. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so I was in a rush this morning. Let me explain. So what happened was mm-hmm. <laughs> some heat I was way. in a rush. <clears throat> so I like to bring some snacks, you know, to make the guests feel like you, whether they want something or not. And there's know, something and there. audience, you know, we had Kel- uh, Kevin Kellebrew on here mm-hmm. a while ago talking oh, about yeah, being healthy writers that. and feeding our minds and our spirits <laughs> and being healthy. And we were doing that. We were having our fruits and our vegetables and our waters and things. And then when I come in today, what's on the table? Uh, a dozen donuts and, you know, a bunch of goodie stuff for you. <laughs> he got perline, chocolate hazelnut, chocolate sticks. He's got my kryptonite, people. It's really what he has on the table. Chocolate-covered pretzels. I'm a chocolate fiend. We both are, so look. But you know what? You're what? not going to steal my joy today. <laughs> I know it's the Ides of March. <laughs> it is the Ides of March. It is. And you're, and you're stabbing me in the back, but it's okay. But continue on as I eat this, this, this chocolate so that goodness. Y'all see how silly we are here on the rant room. Y'all hear that crunchiness? So, huh? <laughs> you hear the crunchiness? <laughs> Welcome to the show, Paul. You see what I'm talking about? You're going to be crazy I'm so today. happy to be here. That's her crunching down on your spine. I know. It's like, ugh. Right. So you're going to do it with me this time? Go ahead. I'll do Paul, it this Paul, you going to join in 2015? Yes. Oh. All right. So on this show, we keep mm-hmm. it street. What? We keep it opinionated. What? We keep it what? 2015. Okay. Yeah. All right. So y'all know how we're doing on the Rant Room. We just like to go in on y'all. So on this show, you know, we're all about entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, craft, craft. shit like that. Mm-hmm. We like to say shit like that because mm-hmm. that's what it is. Shit, shit like, like that. that. You know is. what I mean? It is. <laughs> so y'all hear her voice. That's my girl. I ain't seen you in a minute. I know. I've been very busy. I've been writing. You know, mm-hmm. the, the book just came out, the anthology. I'm really? Out. Yes. Uh, well, we'll pump it up at the end. We'll tell so, the kids. Yeah, so that's out. Uh, my short story's coming out in a couple of, couple of months and mm-hmm. I'm getting ready for Wiscon. I'm going to uh, do a reading. You know, just busyness. That's what's up. Doing my writing thing. Cool, cool. But, I've been uh, busy yeah. too, but good it's to all see good. You though. It's been like what three weeks? Yeah, she's been hiding from me, Paul. You see, I what have talking not. About? I've been ignoring busy, a brother. People. I've been busy. Well, I let you guys down a couple weeks ago. <laughs> 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 well, actually, you you and Charles, you know, had to had to cancel that day, so it actually oh, worked okay. out totally perfect. You know, that, we weren't that, important that to him. Both of us. He just had to start, you know, you. back in the writer's room or something. Like, that's really important. I know. You know, you know I mean? he's doing running a TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's important or something. You know. <laughs> you know. I, I think I went and got donuts that day. <laughs> I know. I got the videotape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could drive to Hilliard's house or I could go over to Dunkin' Donuts. Exactly. Hi, fam. So, How's it going? Yeah. So that's Lisa Bullock-Kaja. Mm-hmm. We call her the street 
nerdist. Why we call you that? Because I can bring it to you really, really hard. And what else? And it can be academic and friendly <laughs> and quite uh, copacetic. That's a new word, copacetic. Copacetic. Okay, I, I like know. that one. I, I like am. that one. All right. Hey, it's been good. it's been a minute. Glad to be back. A lot of stuff's been going on, and uh, we got a really exciting special guest. Well, I have a bone to pick with for my clapback. Okay, we'll today. get into it. We'll get into it. I'm chomping at the bit here. <laughs> All right. So y'all ready? Let's get it in. Mm-hmm. So today we got a cool last guest for y'all. Okay, we're talking about my man, my home team, my new brother, <laughs> Mr. Paul. Is it Gayat? It's not. Goyat. It's uh, like Rio with a G. Gio. Gio. Oh, Gio. So French Canadian. Very yeah. French Canadian. Oh, okay. So oh. he thinks he's cool. Wait, wait. Now. Okay. So, did any of your relatives, the French, did they, you know, were they Cajun who came down to the States too, or they stayed in Canada? I wish. <laughs> Well, both. I wish they'd been cool enough to be Cajun. I, I wish they'd stayed where they were. But no, I, I, I'm from the uh, the the most opaque, whitest Indiana people that are like two generations removed from anything French or Canadian. Really? But we kept the name. So good for you. Our family name from way back is, is Fouché. So anybody who's oh, got yeah. French ancestry, they're cousins. No, yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I have like I love. Cajun food. Oh, good child! I please. love. I oh Creole Cajun. Man? Oh my god! With oh you, I, I have a, a gumbo food. recipe. Oh my god! Oh Do yeah! You really? Oh, I cook and I and I I'm I I'm proud of my gumbo. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Lisa, like when 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 a party at though? When, when you <laughs> get a pot of gumbo? That's right. I can come stir the roof for you to get that. Oh, the stir the roof. <laughs> that's right. See, and you know that's the secret. It is. And the secret is you cannot stop stirring the roof. You, you cannot let it you go. Have to. Yes. You can tell someone who, who's not authentic or who mm-hmm. don't know how to cook really good gumbo because <laughs> they if, they leave not, it if there. you don't stir the roof, uh-huh. yeah. You're going to hell. <laughs> it's true. Well, stick together and, and, your, and your babies are going to hell. <laughs> it is. I think that's in Revelations 4. I think okay. that you okay. shall There's not three. stir the root. You, you shall go to hell, hell. <laughs> and your babies will follow. <laughs> so y'all him. That's my man, Paul. God damn it. You just Gio. Said, Gio. God damn Gio. Paul Gio. Gio. It's locked in my head now. I got it. That's it. My man, Paul Gio, writer, director. You're not a director. I'm not a director. Why you ain't directing? What's that? Because I, I, I'm just a you got the eye of the man. tiger, Jack. I, I may direct sometime. I was gonna be. I was possibly gonna direct if Leverage had gone another season. Okay. But uh, but I'm a writer right now. Okay. that's what I okay. do. All right, writer, co EP on goddamn all kind of shows. Rue connoisseur. Real connoisseur. <laughs> now, would you call yourself a genre writer, or what would you say? I would call myself the absolute least genre guy that really? you've probably ever had on this show really? or ever had. Oh, I'm I'm so on the wrong show right now. Really? really? But you bring the humor to the show. Uh, well, sure. I don't know. I mean, John Rogers created the show. He's mm. a genius. He you know spent 20 years on the road as a stand-up comedian. He's okay. one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, that's him. I mean, I I bring what I bring to the show, but but I am the one guy, and it's it's a joke in the writer's room. I mean, really? the writer's room is genre, mythology, genre, mythology, and <laughs> Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't have that on a t-shirt. That genre, mythology, hilarious. and Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Small words. It's right? like the Beatles. Like this, this, and this, and there's Ringo. That's yeah, hilarious. that's it. I am so the Ringo of the librarian. That's but you know what? That's probably a really great thing to have in that type of writer's room. Because a lot of times you get shows that are genre. And if you have, everybody's a genre writer. You always need that one voice of like reason <laughs> to come pull it back in a little bit. Wow. Like, yeah, slow it's a balance. Bit. It's a yeah. balance. And the thing that the, the, about librarians, it, I think sometimes it's lost because we are so heavy with the genre and the mythology and the, and the fun stuff. Is It's a character show. Yeah. It comes down to it. It's, it's about these characters. And, and that's always been my strength. So mm-hmm. 
I feel like hopefully that's what I bring to it. Okay. Well, you guys are subverting some things, especially with the mythology on that show. Yeah, Just no like, doubt. I'll watch it and I'll be like, that was an interesting twist. What? Because, <laughs> you know, most of the time you think of, like, genre shows, like, because unfortunately for a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies, too, they always rely on the same type of tropes and stories that we've heard before. Sure. But if you can give something that's familiar and twist a little bit, you mm-hmm. got me. You got me hooked. Because mm-hmm. when I first started watching, I'm like, well... Let's see. This feels familiar. And then there were certain things that a couple episodes in, it was like, all right, that was that was clever. That was funny. All right, who who writes this show? <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's Jeff Thorne. Oh my God, leverage. And there's Christian Kang. Come mm-hmm. on, come on. Mm-hmm. You had me Two a Christian. One. You had me a Christian. That's all you had to say. I was like, what? You know. But I love the 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 twist. And if you could add something that's like new and exciting to a show, you've got me hooked. Right. I'm just disappointed it's only like ten episodes. Why is it such short episodes? Are you guys trying to be like HBO? Because he want to go back to St. Louis every five minutes. Uh, <sighs> Call Kevin Riley at TNT. No, the, the original. It was ten episodes the first season because it was uh, TNT made a deal. TNT owned. There were movies, mm-hmm. TV movies that were the show was based Rich, on right. that Noah Wiley starred mm-hmm. in that were much more of the sort of artifact hunt, you right. know, Indiana warehouse yeah. kind of thing. Right. And they are so to this day insanely successful overseas and really? re-airing I, and I stuff. I can see why. I can that see why. TNT was like, you know what? We're going to just do 10 episodes on the air and see how this goes as a series cuz they already pre-sold it, you know, it's all yeah. comes down to money mm-hmm. and so we did the 10 episodes, and, and it was great. We were the number one new cable show of 2014. Yes, was up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and it was, and we premiered in December. So it was like, every, yeah. it's not yeah. like, you know, we yeah. were a February show, and we, we're number one yeah. for two months. <laughs> right. You know, right. we, we were the highest airing new cable show of last year. And so they picked us up, and, uh, and I don't know, they just ordered another 10. It's a whole new regime. I don't want to get into too much of that, but yeah. TNT, it's a whole new regime now. Kevin Riley's in there now, who wasn't there last mm-hmm. year, and... You know, things get funky a lot of times. When <laughs> they, people, they may, you know, and they may want to keep that same success. They might say, okay, we like the 10. Maybe that's the yeah, thing. It's sure. hot. And, and, and you know what? It, it, I like it because it kind of reminds me of when we talk about the British shows that I love. It's yeah. like, because, you know, sometimes you can get some shows and you get episodes that are like, yeah, you could have just did without that episode. Mm-hmm. But if you oh, have like yeah. a nice, tight thing, it's like mm-hmm. you want them chomping at the bit. Because when I was done with the episodes and I started showing my mother, it's like, oh, my God, this is just a fun show. This is not like mm-hmm. we're kids. My mother's making me chocolate pudding. <laughs> we're sitting there in our jammies. It's like it's a fun show. And then it was like done. I was like, wait, there's got to be more. And I was yeah, like yeah. trying to catch up on streaming on Amazon. It's like, wait, there's 10 episodes, but I want more. <laughs> but see, I think that's the key, though. You should... You should want more. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I, I think that's it's much the, better to be left wanting more right. than be left no like, doubt. thank God that season's over. No doubt. No doubt. Because I, I, I get annoyed when there's like 20 episodes yeah. or something. And I, I know, I, and my friends who are on, you know, broadcast shows and stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, you get into, and I've been on broadcasting, when it's like, sure. when you hit that 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. you are just, you're, your creativity barrel is empty, and you're you're just like you're talking to the mailman. Well, you got any stories for us this week? We're, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, at yeah. the bottom of the barrel, just trying to oh get to the end of the season. Right. Whereas yeah. now, you know, you do ten, and also it went by faster the first season because mm-hmm. there were three nights. We actually were only on seven weeks. We did three nights where TNT aired two uh, episodes back right. to back. Yeah. So it was like seven weeks, and the whole season was it was done. Done. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. So it. I think this season it's going to be we're going to do it. Two episode season premiere, two episode finale, and then everything else will be straight okay, week to week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's let's get into just a little bit of uh, for the kids who are listening who don't know you, they don't know you a movie star like we know you are. Um, let's just tell the kids where you're from, how you got into the game. You know, just a little brief. Yeah, but I want to spend a lot of time talking about writing and stuff. Of course, I um I grew up in the desert, Arizona. 
What part? And uh, uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Yeah, my, my partner's from Scottsdale. We're there every like three months or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I'm from. Okay. And uh, and went to school down at University of Arizona in Tucson. Was a creative writing major. Mm-hmm. Did not help me at all. Did it? At all. <laughs> I, had, I had the worst. I mean, I love my school. No, no diss on University of Arizona, but their creative writing Ooh, department I'm back Thailand. then. Oh. It was like, you know, it was these professors that were just angry, frustrated because their uh, novels never sold. And, they had, and so every class was like, this is why Hemingway sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is why Faulkner sucks. That's what hilarious. And, yeah. And so it was, you know. But, uh, but then uh, a buddy of mine and I from college came out to L.A. to I, I was going to be the writer. He was going to be the actor and the director, the hyphenate. And we were going to just take the town by storm. And <laughs> we got here and we had our screenplays with us that were actually written on spiral notebooks with big pens because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. That's hilarious. And, uh, we had a, my very first celebrity I ever met, Bronson Pinchot. Remember him? Oh, yeah. He used yes. to go, he goes to my gym. Perfect stranger. Yeah. He's sitting there. Ask him if he remembers me. He's sitting in a, co- a coffee shop in like a Holiday Inn or whatever sometime. <laughs> And, and we're like, yes, Bronson Pinchot, look, we should ask him something. What should we ask him? All right, what are we trying to learn here? Oh, you know what we should ask him? We should find out what the difference is between scripts and screenplays, because I can't figure it out. <laughs> so let's go out. I mean, this, this is how much knowledge we showed up in town with. So we wow. go over and like, excuse me, Mr. Pinchot, hi, hi, yeah, we're just uh, here in town, yeah, we're, uh, we're screenwriters. And he's like, oh, really? And it's like, yeah, I just want to ask you a quick question in the business. You gotta tell me what's the difference between a script and a screenplay. He just looked up at me and goes, uh, "It's the same thing." Please leave my table. Wow! <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Pincho. I went back to me. It's the same thing, man. It's like so. That was yeah. This is post. This is pre-internet. I take it. Right? This was way pre-internet. Yep. This is pre-internet, and That's so hilarious. so that led to uh, my illustrious career as a stand-in because uh, it took me about ten years before I ever. Realized now. How did how did you find the job to be a standard? What, what happened? I went okay. The the short version is so we came to L.A. with our spiral notebook screenplays, and the only job we could get was waiter at Denny's. Mm-hmm. And so after a couple years, uh, after actually about a year, I came home. I was working the graveyard shift, Denny's Sunset and Gower. <laughs> came <laughs> home to our little mm-hmm. studio apartment we were sharing one morning, and he was gone. He just really? bailed his stuff. He just couldn't handle it. Oh, no. Went back he to just, Phoenix. He what? just left. He, he wasn't even from Phoenix. He was from like you know, like Calabasas, oh or I mean Carlsbad, yeah, Carlsbad, Carlsbad or somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a drive. Yeah. It was a drive and away, drive. and he was just yeah. gone. So no, 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 nothing, nothing. And I was there with the rent and everything, and so wow. I made the worst phone call in my life, which is like, okay, mom and dad, you were right. Can you come <laughs> get me? And I thought I was done, you know, out. So I went, packed up, went back to Arizona. I was going to be a golf pro because that's what I had been groomed as a child to uh-huh. be. And then this nomadic band of misfits came through town shooting a movie <laughs> called Firebirds, which was a terrible Top Gun ripoff uh-huh. with Nick Cage and Sean Young. Uh-huh. And I went down to be an extra, and I got the gig as Nick Cage's stand-in. Really? And that yes. led to yeah. 10 years as a stand-in Ten in years? Hollywood. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Wow, a that's little. a career stand-in. It was. Oh, and it was that's finally, funny. and it was great. Everything was great. And then I woke up one day, and I think I went to work on whatever movie it was, and I realized, I'm about 10 years older than all the other stand-ins. <laughs> <laughs> I got a closet full of what, crew jackets, what am, but... What am I doing with my life? <laughs> I ain't got no career. Yeah. Really? I'm just like, this. I'm going to die on this Apple box someday. <laughs> that's funny. 
And so I just kind of got my shit together. And, uh, and, so, and I had always sat in the... the Stand-in's the greatest gig in the world if you want to be a writer or something, because not only are you right there mm-hmm. with the production, mm-hmm. right there with the camera, the actors, the director, but out of a 12-hour day, you stand in maybe four hours, five. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the time, you're doing nothing. And mm-hmm. you can either sit and eat and get fat at craft service, or I would sit there and just write. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was writing bad versions of whatever movie I was standing <laughs> in on, or just you know, trying to work out my right. shit, find that's my the, voice. That's the way to do it. Yeah. And uh, I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And then finally... You know, I got something that got to the right person. It, um, it's all, you know, it's a relationship thing. I knew somebody that knew J.J. Abrams. He was starting a show called Felicity. <laughs> no, doing Felicity. I just happened to know him. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it was really, no, what it was is I was dating this person who I ended up marrying and then mm. ended up divorcing. But I was <laughs> dating her, and she worked for a producer who knew J.J. Mm. And the producer read, and it wasn't even a fair thing. It's like... She said, will you read Paul's script? He read it. He's like, oh, this is really good, Mm. but I don't have anything going on on television, but I know this guy, J.J. Abrams, who's Mm. putting together writing staff. I'll send your script to him. So J.J. read my, it was an NYPD blue spec. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, And he read it. Called me up, my phone rang, and this is this is before JJ was JJ. This yeah. is when all he was was regarding Henry and you know sure, this yeah. new show Felicity with the uh, girl with the hair. And uh, I get this call, and it's you know he's like, hey, can you? Uh, I read your NYPD blue script, and it's uh, oh man, you, I got to meet you right now. Can you can you come down to the Mondrian? Sure. <laughs> and I go down, and I have this meeting with Matt Reeves and JJ Abrams wow. in the Mondrian. And the meeting's all of like ten minutes, and it's it's wow. you know it's JJ who operates on another level. His mm-hmm. brain is so huge and fast, and he's mm-hmm. just like, okay, so I like this about what you did in the script. And do have you ever seen my show? And I go, uh, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd seen maybe Always half yes. an episode. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, and see again before the internet, where before I would have just been watched everything yeah. to prep for that meeting. Yeah. I had luckily seen enough of it. I hadn't seen every episode, but I knew the show mm-hmm. enough to bullshit my way through it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, what do you like about the show? Uh, well, I like the I like Carrie Russell and the whole Ben her and Noel hair thing. Is fabulous, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fabulous hair. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, he's like, well, I, I think you'd be great, man, and and we need a, a new writer, so you know, I want to hire you. I was like, okay, great. Wow. So I get my car, I'm driving back to my little apartment, and my agent at the time calls me up, like I'm ten minutes away from the hotel, and he calls me up, and my agent who was about as new to agenting as I was to writing, yeah. was more excited than I was that, I, <laughs> that, I, that J.J. wanted to hire me. You know, <laughs> we got a gig! And it's like, yeah, okay, what kind of deal? Oh, oh yeah, I got to negotiate. <laughs> uh, I'll call you back. <laughs> and, yeah, that's it. And he's like, well, J.J. wants you to start right away. And I go, okay, tomorrow? And he's like, no, now. What? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he said, yeah, he wants to know if you can drive down to their offices right now. This was like... 15 minutes after I had had the meeting. Wow. And like, now, JJ, you yeah, could have told me. Right then and there. Yeah, yeah right. Like, right. Yeah. And then here's the thing. You know where the Mondrian is, mm-hmm. up, up mm-hmm. Sunset or whatever it is. Um, his, they go, yeah, you got to go down to his office. I'm like, okay. And this is, that, you know, Felicity was on the WB then, which, mm-hmm. you know, had like $4 in their, in their budget. <laughs> and the offices were Baldwin Park. Baldwin Park. Yeah. What is that? Baldwin Oh, that's a, that? that's, that's a little south. That's a, <laughs> that's a little south. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay. And I drive down this little, like, warehouse thing, that, and I go in. And, uh, and that was my first day on the job. I walk into this writer's room. 
there's these three writers there, and they just look like they have been through hell. They're just like laid around this table, just yeah. looking miserable. When I walk in, you know, hi, you know, it's my first gig, and I got all the energy and all the ignorance. And they're just like looking up at me, and they go, "Who are you?" And I go, "I'm the new writer." And they go, "What? What, what do you mean?" And I go, "Well, JJ just hired me." And they didn't like, tell him. They, they had no idea. Wow. And then it became a whole thing. It was it was the it was the first staff job ever and it was the single worst year of my life it was the really? best of days it was the worst of days because these people hated wow. me really? and they turned on me immediately because they wanted JJ to hire some friends of theirs uh-huh. and they wanted people that were more experienced mm-hmm. and a staff writer and yeah. JJ just read my thing and hired me on the spot mm-hmm. and it was I sat in there that day that first day it was like five or six hours I get to the end and, and I didn't say a word. I'm just listening. And, you know, and everybody gets up to leave and they walk out on this one rider. She kind of hangs back. And, uh, and I stand up and I'm like, well, I'm, you know, happy to be here. And she goes, listen, I just want to tell you something. He goes, we don't want you here. Damn. JJ hired you to spite us. And you just need to remember that if you're going to come back and you're going to be here, just know that you shouldn't be here and you don't belong here. Wow! And can we you don't believe want that? That's heifer. I would have been like, you know what? First Are you going to eat that donut? Are you going to eat that thing. donut? And wow. I'm taking this water, and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that was my first professional day, wow. and then it just got worse than that. Now, how, do you, it got mean, worse. how do you negotiate that? Like emotionally, I was so in shock because it was the last thing I. I mean. I think I could have handled more if she had cussed me out or something mm-hmm. or throwing something at me. But just like so very professionally and succinctly, we don't want you here. Wow. You don't belong here. He hired you to spite us. And, and that's how I was treated that whole season. I mean, I was a pariah in there. And no matter what you did, no matter oh, what you no, brought to the no. table. And huh? they fucked with me and, and did like really stupid kid shit like mm. i i had my off you know the first office i ever had and mm. i brought in this little shelf and i had all my cds i'm a big music person so mm. i had this like you know 40 50 Aww. cds lined up and i came into my office one day and it's like and i mean these are adults right mm-hmm. these are not seven-year-olds and there's like water has been dumped all what? on my cds just it's like really you're gonna really? do that. You're not. You're not gonna come and confront me. Wow. But you're gonna go passive aggressive. I can't you know stand I passive aggressive. Like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. One. And what's funny is I'm like pay for these CDs <laughs> oh. right now. We ain't getting no writing. Okay. Okay. Well, it was, you know what? Right you're you're right because I handled it totally wrong. Like in <laughs> retrospect now, but I go back. I mean, there was a time. This was funny. This was a very seminal moment. But you wanted to be in the room. Too. I wanted to be. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. Probably three months in or something. At one point, it was, it was so bad, I walked into Matt Reeves' office, who was the other mm-hmm. executive producer of the show. He was like the director. J.J. was the writer. And I walked into Matt's office, and this is so embarrassing. I don't think I've ever told this publicly. Um, I stood in his office, and I just started to cry. Really? I was like, I can't. And I'm just crying. And Matt, and this was such a moment for me. Right. Matt's looking up at me, and he goes, I can't help you. Really? I, I, I'm sorry if you want to quit, quit, but you're standing in my office crying. Wow. And I was just like, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> and I walked out, and then mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, motherfuckers, okay. you want to play? You know what? We're going to play. We're going to play. Wow. And then it just kind of, like, turned, and then I just, I just started ignoring them, and I just started speaking up in the room and saying whatever, and they'd shoot my shit down, and mm-hmm. I'd argue with them, and, mm-hmm. you know, and... 
it just got at the end of the season, you know, I was so miserable and I told my, my agent, I had by the end of the season, I had a new agent and I was, <laughs> I was like, you got to get me out of here. I'm not, I'm not coming back to this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and she had cut her hair that season. And so there was all that drama mm-hmm. and we had shut down twice because these, these other writers, I'll say it publicly. I mean, they sucked <laughs> and, and I followed their career <laughs> and it's funny because I no, it's, and you know, I'm Call not going to say the their bitch. names, but if anybody wants no, to go look them up, you you look them up because there are two women and a man mm-hmm. and None of them really have any career anymore. Really? The, there's, there's one woman, actually, she's like a co-EP singer now, but I followed, like, the first or the following three or four gigs she had after Felicity, she got fired from. Wow. Three or four in a row. Mm-hmm. The other woman, the one who stood there and said, we don't want you here, you shouldn't be here, she's out of the business now. Wow. Um, and then the other guy is just a flake somewhere on some show. But, but it's like, why, you know, well, me being the always the ever optimistic, hopeful, <laughs> though secretly expecting the worst in the background. Mm. You know, you would just think like, hey, you know, hey, it's a new writer. Hey, new fresh ideas. Yeah. Well, Welcome they were they person. were so insecure and they were so bad at their job. And and what also what sucked too is like they they all hated JJ or resented JJ is what I should say. Mm-hmm. But again, they were such. Pussies like mm-hmm. JJ would show up and they would kiss his ass, oh, really? and then he would leave because he was in the middle of developing Alias at the time mm-hmm. and stuff. He'd bomb into the room and he'd look up at what's there, and it was all shit. And he'd mm-hmm. go, "That's all shit." Mm-hmm. And then he'd leave, and they'd cuss him out, and they'd uh-huh. and they would just talk shit about JJ all day long, wow. which is fine if if that's how you feel, then right. own your feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. But then JJ would walk in and they'd be like, "JJ." You're awesome. Yeah. We love you. <laughs> and I'm just standing there watching this, going, "What? What? Who are you, people?" Yeah. Oh, no. So God, that was my well. first year. So that was the first. Yeah, was your first. So what was, television that was writing. brilliant. That was yeah. brilliant. Um, I mean, I had I had more questions about that, but I figured we Sorry. need to keep it. No, it's all good. <laughs> no, but I've reduced you. To- <laughs> no, that was brilliant. Um, I mean, because, yeah, I want to go fight somebody be- right because now. Because like, what? I have a lot of friends. You know, like I've been in a lot of writers' rooms. I've never been on the network, right? But I've been in independently. Now, everybody has illusions of grandeur of what the room looks like and how it feels and the acceptance and what you're going to learn and all the other bullshit. So when I hear a writer say this, that this was my experience on my first, you know, staffing job with one of the gods. He wasn't a god then, but he is now. Still, the lesson in that, I'm just like, well, I'm just kind of taken back. You know what I mean? In 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 a positive way, though. Like, what did you get out of that? What I got out of that was a couple of things. And the first one was, it, it, no matter how bad, if you want to do this for a living, if you want to get in the club, mm-hmm. because staying in the club is not nearly as hard as getting in the club. Sure. If you want to get in the club, you've got to suck it up. You've got to be humble. You've got to eat shit if you're being fed shit. <laughs> to a certain extent, you've got to get through that first year. If I had walked yeah. early... I probably would have never gotten a gig again. But sure. I, I survived that first year. I had a year on my resume. He was a staff writer on Felicity. Mm-hmm. Big, you know, Golden Globe winning show. Right. So I easily got a job right after that and mm-hmm. then kept working. Whereas if I had, you know, said, fuck you, I'm mm-hmm. out of here. Right. You know, and, and what it was. And I, I also got out of it that, I, again, I went in not knowing anything. So I had no frame of reference. And what I got out of it now and what I tell, you know, young writers and, and people starting on shows and stuff now is, you know, every room's different. Sure. And you, you just have to do your thing and not try – like the mistake I think I made early on before my, my 
weeping in Matt's office moment <laughs> was I was trying to please. Mm. I was trying to please. And that you can't do that. I mean, you want to be cordial. You want to be friendly. You want to be a team player. Sure. But you can't get wrapped up in this. I want this person to like me. Mm. You know, it's a job. It's profession. You're getting paid way too much money mm-hmm. than you should be. It's like, just do the job. And if it sucks and it's horrible, put your head down, focus on the craft. Mm-hmm. I dumped everything into those scripts I wrote, you know, and I'm proud of the, the two scripts that I have my name on it, on Felicity. Mm-hmm. One of them was, <laughs> it's funny because it's not really a nice thing, but it's a compliment. Is one of them was so good. JJ would like read it, and he's like, "I love this thing, man. I want to put my name on this with you. I want to, I want to, I want to. I have this whole idea for this other part of it, and let's write it together." Wow! And that was, you know, now you can look back and go, "Hey, that's taking half my money out of there, brother." <laughs> but back then, it was like, "Okay, right. showrunner knows right. I got skills, mm-hmm. right?" You know, and to this day, like to this day, I never had a problem with JJ. Mm-hmm. He wasn't around to witness any of this. Like sure. I, you know, if he because when they came podcast, in, right. everybody was on exactly. good behavior and shit. JJ, I mean, he even yeah. went there a few yeah. years later. He even co-created a show with one of those writers who you know was like just ta- saying i won't even repeat it just saying the absolute worst stuff about jj's mm-hmm. wife and child and wow. like horrible stuff jj had no idea mm-hmm. you know because he'd bomb in and they'd all kiss his ass right. um but when he was there he was great guys you know <laughs> guys good yeah See, I always tell people always ask me like, you know, what's my goal? What do I want to be? And you've heard this many. I always say I want to be J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to be that guy who can go back and forth from TV to movies like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like hardly any examples of that at all. Oh. You know but you know what? That's that's a really good point to bring up because there's a lot of people that you know, so they see somebody like J.J. writer, mm-hmm. producer, director. You know, his his own giant corporation mm-hmm. company. But the way he did it was he didn't go in going, I want to be a writer, producer, director, and do this and this. He was a writer. Mm-hmm. J.J. focused on his craft and got excellent at mm-hmm. writing. And that was the one thing he did. He got in as a writer. And then, once he had established himself, then he started directing. Mm-hmm. Then he started producing. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people, I, I see, you know, I'll, I'll speak at these plays where people come around. And, and you, it's almost like they just want in, but they don't know what they want to do. Sure. And it's like they'll just throw it's, – it's sort of what I call the, the, that lottery ticket mentality. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to throw everything up against the wall and see, see what, what somebody sticks. picks for me. Yeah. You know, if I want to be – you know. But it's like if you want to be all that, pick out whatever you're most passionate about mm-hmm. and focus on that and Master become that. great at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the fastest way in. Then the other stuff will come. Sure. You know? Depending on where your passions take you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was next after Felicity for you? So then um, I did a, I did a, there was a, there was a very short-lived show. Then I had a string of 13 and outs. I did a, <laughs> I did a show, show called Snoops. Yeah. Uh, yeah David Snoops. E. Kelly. Uh-huh. Gina Gershon and Paula Marshall as private eyes who surprisingly licked whipped cream off each other every sweeps week. <laughs> Don't know how that happened. <laughs> but literally in the writer's room one day, we had done this episode for sweeps where David, because he you know, rewrote everybody, um, no, he had did them, not. <laughs> that was another great compliment I had. Once. I'm sorry. I'm ruining this show. No. <laughs> you guys can't see it right now, but Hilliard is slapping me across the face because I am doing it wrong. No. I'd, I'd slap him at least once a month. You know what I mean? Go ahead. But uh, so on, on, on Snoops, I wrote this one episode. It was the first one I wrote. And showrunner comes back and he's like, hey, David loved your episode. Like, really? And he goes, yeah, he only rewrote like 90% of it. <laughs> 
And he was dead serious. Like, that was a victory in the David E. Kelly world. Okay, look. I got to ask you. So, for the kids, right? I call everybody the audience. The, the yeah, listeners, the kids. The kids. Now, so you get on a show with the type of showrunner who would rewrite you like a David Kelly. How do you keep your... What, what's the word I want to use? Your your sense of self. Yes, <laughs> your when, your personal. <laughs> when 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 what's he using you for? Then if he's well, writing the whole there, thing, I think I think there's certain there's certain showrunners where I think you know going in. If you're on a Kelly show, if you're on a Sorkin show, sure. if you're on a Matt Weiner show, mm-hmm. you know going in, it's not going to be your words. Okay, you know if you can give them a good story. That they love enough that they mm-hmm. only rewrite ninety percent mm-hmm. of, you know. Yeah. Um, and and it, other times it just comes and goes, you know. It just depends on the showrunner. But I think again, this business in television writing, your job as a staff writer all the way up to co EP mm-hmm. is you are at the service of the showrunner, right. and it is their show. Mm-hmm. And if they want to rewrite you. They can rewrite you, Absolutely. and you say, "Thank you, sir. May I have That's another? So Thank you, me. ma'am." It's so hard for writers to understand because yeah. sometimes when we talk, when we go and, and, and talk to different events and panels, I'm like, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm going to write this show." I was like, "Look, look, <laughs> look, boo boo." <laughs> <laughs> Be blessed, you got in the room. Like exactly. you're there for the service of the story. They hired you because this person had a vision. It's their show. It's yeah. their name on the show. You there to help make it go. And if you get your name on something, yay you. If not, shut the hell up and be happy you yeah. went in there and learn what you can and write well, and do that. Because it's like uh, these I, – I've been around a couple of inst- episodes where writers, you know, they complain. They're like, oh, I got totally rewritten. I can't believe you did that. And, you know, my scene was so much better. It's like, really? So when you get that residual check, you're going to give it back? <laughs> so it still has there your you name go. on it. He doesn't – does he put right. his name on? No, that was the thing. Kelly – well, like – Weiner, Sorkin, they, they pull your name right off. Mm-hmm. Kelly would usually share, you know. Um, sometimes your name would get left on. Like, my name got left on. Okay. But it wasn't, you know, ten, like ten, probably about 7% of it was mine. <laughs> but my name was on it, you know. Still well, to this day, I'll get $4.17 because, you know, Snoop's aired in the Turkey. Word, yeah, the word yeah. whenever in that script, that was mine. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, See, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because Glenn, Glenn Mazzara talks about how he um, – um, um, like when he first started being a showrunner, like on um, Crash or something, he was talking about how, you know, he wrote, you know, the, the pilot. And then like an episode or two later, somebody else wrote one mm-hmm. and the studio had an issue because he thought it was a good script from the other writer. Right. But it wasn't the voice of what he had. Right. So he had to go back and rewrite the script. And he, it was a lesson to him to learn that he has to keep that same voice mm-hmm. all, all the way through. And mm-hmm. even though a lot of people can write your voice, sometimes they really can't nail it the way you yeah, Vision and I and I think it. too it goes back to there's 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 showrunners that part of the job is rewriting sure. and and you they are entrusting you know millions and millions of dollars to the showrunner to produce this show and part of that job is you're going to have to rewrite scripts sometimes mm-hmm. but there are showrunners there's John Rogers Barbara Hall you know Hart Hansen that they'll do a complete page one rewrite, they would never even think of putting their name on a script Mm -hmm. because they know that's part of the job and their ego is, you know, enough in control that they don't need that. They don't need to, I'm going to take, you know, 17 grand out of that staff writer's pocket Mm -hmm. and put my name on that script because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, wait, your name's already all over this show 16 different ways, you know, but, but there's a lot of showrunners that are great that don't do that, you know? Interesting. Wow, that's, 
That's a trip. <laughs> so there were so there were a couple different shows. So then you. Oh yeah. So I so I had, I did Snoops. I did a show called. <laughs> I did. Good God, Hill, you're dragging me through my <laughs> resume. <laughs> Um, we have time. This is going to turn into a suicide note. <laughs> I, uh, I did Level 9 for the UPN network, okay. which was, uh, again, real early in the internet days, and it was about cyber cops chasing cyber criminals yeah. through oh, cyberspace. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, except what we found out from a cinematic point of view, yeah. it's like when you're on the fourth episode where it's, he's spoofing the source. Let's type on the keyboard really fast and oh, yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, okay yeah. maybe we need somebody <laughs> running around with guns or something <laughs> um and uh and and we had the my favorite time slot i've ever had on any show i worked on we followed shasta mcnasty and we're right before <laughs> homeboys in outer space wow so, oh the 90s how wow. did we not succeed with that yeah that's hilarious. uh you know another bad one and then i finally got on a show called judging amy Mm-hmm. Which was a big Great CBS show. hit, and I stayed there for three years, and and really that's where I learned to be a writer. That was the greatest writers' room. Barbara Hall and Hart Hansen were the showrunners, mm-hmm. and they were so smart and so um, confident in themselves that they could teach. They never took anything like Barbara incur- and she does this on Madam Secretary too. Mm-hmm. She encourages the writer's individual voice to come out. Like, really? And it's fantastic. It's the exact way I'd run a show. What, what yeah. Barbara Hall wants is for you to watch a television show and know that's a Barbara Hall episode. That's a Paul Gio episode. Ah, that's a Lisa episode. Right. You know, she went cool. like yeah, the yeah. show has the, it's the voice of the show, mm-hmm. but just from the way the stories are told, from the mm-hmm. way the supporting characters right. interact come in, you, she encourages, and Hart mm-hmm. did the same thing, the writer's own voice. Interesting. So cool. Interesting. Yeah, and John Rogers the same way on Leverage and Librarians. Like, I think if you watch Leverage, you know, you knew when it was a Jeff Thorne episode. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew when it was John Rogers episode. Mm-hmm. You knew when it was a Glenn and Reader episode. Right. Um, and... And that's that just it makes you when you're writing for someone like that, you are better, I think, because you're free and you're not, you know, handcuffed to like, oh, my right. God, is this sounding just like him or her? Mm-hmm. I got to, you know, I got to copy. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, and I think that's part of the reason why I mean, with Advent of Cable and all, you know, this thing they call the golden age of television, why, you know, original material is basically what showrunners read now sure. as opposed to it used to always be you got to have a spec so we can see if you can get the voice of the characters but i think people have learned now if you're a good writer you can do that Mm -hmm. you know you don't want to hire a mimic Mm -hmm. you want to hire a good writer Mm -hmm. you know and uh that's what oh i wish you were we won't get into that (laughs) (laughs) lisa should be working with me that's all i'm saying about that well when you get your show that's right see that's right exactly but i love that because like you said with leverage and stuff and that's probably why that show pulled me in Mm -hmm. you know i came to it a little bit late because i happen you know i'm busy all the time and then i would binge watch like they would have like marathons on and one day I was sitting there, and I just happened to see, like I said, I saw Jeff Thorne's name on it. I was like, well, I love Jeff, so I'm going to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked. Mm-hmm. But when I would watch the other shows, even though it was the same characters and stuff like that, there, was, there were some voice things. But I love that because it just brought out something different from that writer. You sure. know? And I think I feel it a little bit with the librarians, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, it's, tell, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think if people really analyze it, I think a lot of times your favorite shows, you're going to, I mean, look at Breaking Bad and mm-hmm. Vince Gilligan. You knew when George wrote an episode. Yeah, you knew, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the, the really high quality shows with those very, and, and it, I think it all, personally, it all comes back to 
how confident and secure the showrunner is with themselves. You know, to encourage, I want the best writing. I don't want the best version of me. Right. You know? And but then there's guys you there's there's Weiner and other ones who can't handle that and they have to it has to be all about them. And Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. okay. He's successful too. So let me ask you a question about um let's talk about moving up in the room. Um like what 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 type of duties change for you as you started working your way up did they change at all or did the title just change are you more no they most most definitely change and again it it varies showrunner to showrunner Mm -hmm. there's some like i it's funny i just before i came here this morning i said we have uh two new writers coming on this year Mm -hmm. who are staff writers and i sent an email out to them this morning saying you know welcome and here's how the room works Mm -hmm. And here's how why it's not like any other room in Hollywood. Okay, wait a minute, stop. Yeah. Remember, remember the question I asked you. Okay, you got to tell me what some of the rules are on your show. Can you do that? Okay. Is it- well, that's the, that's the thing. The what's great about John Rogers, mm-hmm. and it's great almost to a fault, but it's mostly great. Is John Rogers treats the staff writer very first gig in their life mm-hmm. exactly the same as the co EP who's okay. been doing it 15 years. Mm-hmm. You have just wow. as much voice in that room, whether you're a staff writer or a co-EP. It is – there are no titles inside the room. <laughs> it's so rare. It is so yeah. rare. I mean, I – last year on Librarians, it was, it was John and myself, and then, like, Jeff was the most senior writer, and then mm. the other two were basically, you know, newbies. And, uh, and I – I'm sorry, not on Librarians, on Leverage. And I, I took them all out to lunch one time, and I said, I just want to tell you guys – it's never going to be this good. <laughs> and I'm speaking from experience. It, yeah. Where and I, I almost got shanked in the side. And, <laughs> and I told him, I did. On and this is it. I took him out on, on my first year on Leverett. I was, I was a supervising producer or something. Were you really apologetic? Was, like, I'm so sorry. No. I, <laughs> I was just like, guys, I just want you to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. And, and most of them took it. Like, a couple of them, Jeff and Jeremy and stuff, are, are on Librarians now. And a couple other writers went to other shows and sure enough, man, I got contact. I was just like, oh, my God, Paul, you were right. Because <laughs> really? that's a rare thing. You have a showrunner that, I mean, the staff writer in the room has just as much pull as the co-EP mm-hmm. as far as story goes. And goes. When it comes down to it, like John's on a pilot right now. For the first few weeks, I'm going to be running the room. Okay. I'm going to have the final say. Mm-hmm. But everybody's ideas are equal. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an opinion. Oh, my God. Um, so that's good. The only real rule is like we have we have a couple of little things, you know. Like our big thing is don't pitch a problem unless you pitch a solution. Mm-hmm. And that's you know basically don't blow up someone else's pitch. And go that sucks mm-hmm. unless you can say. Okay, can we say that one more game? Yeah, don't pitch a problem. <laughs> talking about it unless time. you have a solution. Exactly. Thank you, because yeah. so many people are like, oh, I'm I'm going to run brownie points from the executive because mm-hmm. I have like put out the plot holes in someone else's script, mm-hmm. but that's not helping the show or the no. characters. No. Like you're hired there to put together a script, whether it's your script or not, mm-hmm. you're there to help. Fight. And you're right. just like, Oh, look how brilliant I am. You know, and it's like, <laughs> that's not helping this person. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And an- another thing that's different about the way John Rogers runs rooms, leverage and librarians, you know, these are, these are one hour, you know, dramas in the air quotes cause they're one hours, but he runs it uh, very much like a comedy room mm. is that we are all in a room together we break every story together. Okay. Then the individual writer goes off and right. writes the episode. Okay. So as we go, the room gets smaller and smaller as a year, but then a writer turns in right. a script, right. comes back into the room. Got it. 
but we all, you know, and a lot of shows aren't like that. You know, a lot of shows you go off and break stuff and then you meet with the showrunner and they give you notes and you go off and re-break your idea. Mm -hmm. But it's very communal under John Rogers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can have, sometimes that'll cause problems, whereas you just get too many voices and we kind of spin out for a while and we'll go down blind alleys and stuff. But generally speaking, you know, two-thirds, three-fourths of the time, it's super efficient. And it also gets everybody invested. Yeah. You know? Like the the staff writer, you know, these these people that are coming on, which you should be one, these people that are coming on <laughs> have no idea how great it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. You know? Man. And so it's it's very inclusive. I mean, even our writer's assistant. Little shout out to Adam Hanbird, Big Man Tate. <laughs> um, because Adam Hanbird was little man Tate in Jodie Foster's oh, Little Man Tate. That's our writer's yeah. assistant. Uh, that's Adam. Adam, if you Adam? And he's our writer's assistant. Okay. And he came on last year, new writer's assistant, and he crushed it. Mm-hmm. He fucking, I mean, whatever you needed. And this is another well, great let's advice. Well, tell the kids. Yeah, what, this is, this is great advice. What are you advice. looking for in a, in a writer's Because assistant? the best way to break into television, it's, I'm sorry, it's not throwing stuff up on YouTube. It's not going to pitch fests and meetings and seminars and stuff. You're just crushing people's you, hearts right now. I'm sorry. You should see, but, uh, you should see his website. Let's keep it 100. <laughs> keep it. 100. Keep it. 2015. 100. <laughs> the fastest way to get in is you become a writer's assistant and you serve your writing staff. Mm-hmm. And if you blow it out like Adam did last year, mm-hmm. Adam's getting himself a freelance this mm-hmm. year. Nice. And, you know, on leverage. The writer's assistant, the first couple seasons on Leverage, Rebecca Kirsch, destroyed it. She mm-hmm. was 24-7, whatever you need, I got your mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. So she got a freelance, then she got on staff. Mm-hmm. Now Rebecca Kirsch is a producer on 12 Monkeys wow. and has just, because she served as a writer's Work, assistant. Work That's it. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adam, first year as a writer's assistant last year, mm-hmm. going to have a freelance this year, probably going to be on staff next right. year. Mm-hmm. Boom. Right. Instead of... Three years running around, sure. you know, trying to meet people, sure. going to things, doo doo. So I'm sorry. There are people weeping right now. <laughs> I know, but for television, but I, I just I mean, paid my money for Pitch Fest. Yeah, it, it's, oh, I got it. You don't even want to get me going on the whole Pitch oh, Fest thing. He's got a whole, it was one of the questions I had for you. <laughs> no, I, since we're here, I'm never going to be asked back on your podcast. Oh, no, come me. on, on my show. By the time we get done, and I've destroyed the no. hopes and dreams of everyone. No, you're giving them real. And that's what yeah. they need. Well, that's Jeff, kids. Jeff Thorne and I last night. I don't know if you said we were we were ranting on Twitter last night. Oh, I love um, when Jeff rants because Jeff was like, "Look, I don't we, know who you are." Oh, we, we were going off but about these these on. screenwriting gurus mm-hmm. that are charging money. You know, you come out here trying to make it as a writer, and you're you know working at Starbucks or you're reading scripts or whatever. You're barely paying your rent, and then mm-hmm. these guys are going to say, "Give me 195 bucks, and I'll tell you you know the Six. secrets to writing." Mm-hmm. And I. Ah, uh, it's it's my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> Jeff and I are starting this thing of we're seriously considering. Wait, you're gonna start your own guru thing? <laughs> we are for free. For free. That's we that's it because we we have this thing now. I'll say all this because our buddy Pilar she gets a pass because we give her a pass well, we too. Give her a pass so, too yeah. Pilar gets a pass because yeah. she is one in ten thousand, and I I'm agree. not exaggerating with that. That she. She has no business being as smart as she is. Yeah, I agree. Um, she, it is, she is the exception mm-hmm. to the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone else, these guys that have these websites and these books and everything, and then you look it up and it's like, oh, 
They sold a spec script in 1989, oh, yeah. and their career ended in 1993. <laughs> and now they're t- going to charge me 95 bucks or 200 bucks or oh, whatever no, to teach like me the secrets to me. They don't play. Yeah. So that, that's a huge thing. And yeah. Jeff and I were going off last night on Twitter about it because there's mm-hmm. some guy on Twitter named Script Shadow or something, and he's saying, you know, know for you 100 know. bucks, I'll read your script and I'll do this. And it's like, who are you? Mm-hmm. You have no, you know, mm-hmm. who, who are you? Mm-hmm. It's just, it kills me. me. So anyways, I don't, I don't know how we got off on that. No, I don't know where cool. I was. Well, but. I was talking about on your website, you have um, um, a segment. Let me see what you call it. Um, uh, you do a whole thing about the writer's day. Which I love. I don't know if you got a chance to see. You need to go on his site. My website it's, is silly. It is funny. It's um um. Yeah, read that whole writer. Paulgio.net. You guys got to check it out. All you guys out there, go out there and look at that. Um, but he does this whole thing about the writer, the, the day in the life of a writer, or some shit. And he goes from like eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, seven o'clock in the morning from the time he wakes up. It's like every ten minutes. Right, right. He's got a. It is badass. <laughs> but there's a cool thing you do. Where he talks about, like, once he gets into the office, mm-hmm. the first thing that happens is the assistant comes up to him and is like, hey, can you read my, my new script? <laughs> and then he's like, 10 minutes later, check my email. Right? <laughs> 10 minutes later, you know, go down to the office right, to do whatever. Right. And then, like, a half hour later, like an hour later, the assistant comes by and he goes, did you read my script yet? <laughs> and then as he keeps going through the day, the, the assistant keeps coming through going, hey, did you look at my script? Right. And finally at the end, he goes... Oh, just got a message. Something like this. I'm paraphrasing. He says, just got a message from the assistant. Um, they just they just sold their pilot to whatever. Should have read it. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> but it tells me so much about the style and the way you write. It's Even your bio is just full of humor mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the entire thing. You can't help but get a chuckle. Right, like, right. every other line, there's something funny. In I there. have that problem. And it's like, I mean, if you look at my, my leverage episodes, my librarians, <laughs> they tend to be the... I don't want to say funnier ones, but just with more comedy in them. Yeah. Yes. And that's just me. I've always had this thing. I, I was obsessed with comedy since I was young. I tried. I tried. I went to an open mic once doing stand-up. <laughs> Never again, because that was just like, okay, that's, there's a whole art form there that I, I don't got the brushes or the easel or nothing. But I, I've just always seen it. I'm the, I mean, I'm the guy that, you know, there'll be this dark, twisted, horrible thing, and mm-hmm. I'll look and see the humor in it, you know, mm-hmm. and... It's just me. And so, again, going back to that, you've got to find your voice. Mm-hmm. Is if I try to not write as myself, it's not as good. Sure. You know, I mean, I, I just finished this big feature script that's, that's, I mean, it's epic. It's period piece and it's heavy duty. Is that the Geostorm thing? Or? No, no, this is, this is one nobody knows about. Okay. Um, and you're trying to tell it like it's just, no one knows about it. Like, <laughs> it's just the well, no, it's just, I, I, just, I just finished it and I can't talk a lot about it, but what's really nice is it sounds like as of Friday, I mean, I'll know more next week, but it sounds like there's already like a couple studios. Cool. As long as you get two. Mm-hmm. Wanting the same thing, yeah. then you mm-hmm. can start playing. Right. You know, right. I want ice cream with my. Kid. <laughs> yeah. Don't give me sprinkles. So, but uh, but it was it's it's definitely not a comedic piece, and yet I found myself. You know, there were certain times in the scenes where mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I had this I had this stuff coming out, and it's just that's, what that's we call, me. That's what we call the can't help it. 
Yeah. yeah. You, you know what? That's <laughs> actually when they, you know, that old cliche that everybody's been beating to death about the right, what you know, mm-hmm. that's what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that's right. Your voice. Yeah. It's voice. Mm-hmm. Right. What you know, just means have your fucking voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think that what my, my favorite episode of the librarians is the apples was the apple discord. Mm-hmm. Cause there's what, I mean, I'm sorry. Just... Who wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the writing credit? Uh, on that? Was that uh, Paul Gio, Jeff Dorn? Okay. I'm sorry. I think it was Jeff. I think it was Jeff. I don't know. Before I even saw, knew who wrote it uh-huh. I felt who it was like I, this, this is either going to be Jeff or it's going to be Paul because there were scenes in there like <laughs> okay I'm not going to give the spoilers because you should have been watching the show anyway but there's a scene <laughs> where they're talking about like there's these like these dragons and like there's one like the west coast and east coast it was kind of like the Tupac and Biggie and I'm like see and then no one ever thought about dragons having a weapon uh-huh. I was like you know what I am team west coast dragon and I'm like <laughs> that is so ridiculous and it's so funny and there was just like scenes in there it's like humorous 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 mm-hmm. mythology but it was like so organic to the story, and mm-hmm. it was just like that that distinctness to it. And I was like, either Jeff or one of them wrote that. And well, sure enough, when well, I went back, I'm like... And I need to point out, Jeff is the big, giant, beautiful black man, and I'm the goofy-looking, weird, <laughs> we want to get geeky Jeff on white show. guy. <laughs> yeah. But I wrote all the Eric B. and Rakim stuff. Oh, I wrote God. the... I wrote... Okay. Oh, yeah. See, I was going to ask you that. I got to give you that. me. Okay. No. You know, we got so... I know, but it was like... When John Larroquette says, I'm paid in full. I'm like, that's all me. I just want you to know. Speaking of a master plan. Well, I have nothing but rap inside my hand. So I... That's right, right. It was so funny. And it was something that you normally would not see. Like, that kind of subversion. Like, you would not see that in a regular, like... And can I tell you, I was asked, there were two occasions where I was like, do we need that? Can you take that out? And I said, nope. Who tried to take that? Okay, don't say no names. No. There was... there was There was a... People who don't but know the goddamn maybe, song. Maybe a producer, maybe a director, I won't say it, but <laughs> so was, just, just saying, didn't get I'm it. I'm so glad they kept it in there, but oh. it got, like the biggest laugh. That was the hill was I was going to die on, can I tell you? <laughs> there was no way that wasn't coming out. And even on the day, John Larroquette's looking at it, he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, John, You're just like, roll with hold it. Hold on, let me, let me play it, it for okay. you right there. John Larroquette, just roll with it. And I just said, and I did, and that's it. And I said, I said, John, and here's the great thing about John Larroquette. I mean, this guy's a genius he's got mm-hmm. emmys you know full up everywhere he respects the word mm-hmm. so much oh, like okay. he is an improv genius mm-hmm. he's so much funnier than i could ever be on my mm-hmm. best day and yet john larroquette every time he had an idea for an ad lib or anything right. he asked permission really? he would come to me or the writer right oh he is a pro's pro mm-hmm. and he would say hey this is really funny what about if I tried this? Right. And I and there was one, but the first time I, I go, well, you're John Larroquette. What do you know about funny? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he kind of looked at me. And then, was, and then I what smiled. He's like, okay. Me? And I was like, John, it's funnier than what I wrote. Right. Go with it. Do it. But, uh, but yeah, but on that, he was like, he, you know, he didn't get it. And he's like, he's an, and it's funny because he's a music guy. He's an old jazz guy and stuff. But just like... The East Coast, West Coast thing he was kind of familiar with, right. but the whole Eric B. and Rakim, he didn't know. And I was like, just do it. Just trust me. That's trust me. So, John, me. if you heard that really loud cackle somewhere yeah. in the world, wherever you are, that was just I'm gonna, me. I'm going to play that in the out That's music when we leave, too. Oh, I love it, man. I mean, it's still to this day is one of the single greatest hip-hop what? tunes ever. <laughs> Boom, the boom, 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 da da dum, boom, da da boom. You cannot do that. You cannot, please. You cannot. Get that neck and that voice. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. That might be the most, the thing I'm most proud of writing last year. I was doing his neck right now, y'all. That white neck. It was so funny and it was so real and it was just like, 
and Jeff reported one of them. Who wrote this? Because mm-hmm. it was just so distinct. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Paul and yeah. Jeff. And it's funny, too, because as everyone thinks, obviously, Jeff. There was like, oh, Jeff must have wrote that oh, part. He, the, brother yeah, nope. the, the brother must have wrote uh, that. Nope. Like, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Jeff's actually a bigger geek than I am. He's, <laughs> the, he's the genre guy. He is the comic book mythology yes. sci-fi. I mean, that guy. Oh, my oh, gosh. He was just people. He, uh, and just a shout out for Jeff, uh, Jeff too. With, they had, like, the Black Comics chat. Oh, and, like, okay. he was just throwing stuff up. Like, well, here's that. And he was, like, throwing up pictures from old comic mm-hmm. books from back in the day. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's nice to have that person who knows that history mm-hmm. and kind of school them youngins. Because they're like, well, what about this? And he would just post up something on Twitter. I'm like, go <clears throat> Jeff. What I love, I mean, there's many things that I love about Jeff. He is a true brother. Um, but There's one some of the, really fun pictures of you guys on on your uh, Twitter. Oh yeah, the thing where we were fighting. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. He um, what's great about him is he is the happiest, just positive dude. He comes in just singing and happy, and so a lot of times mm. people underestimate him oh, and his really? intelligence mm-hmm. because he's just like he's fanboy Jeff. He right. loves everything, uh-huh. and you know every idea you throw, he's like, I love. That idea, you know, he is that cat. He is just the most positive cat, and yet, when you start to talk to him, Mm -hmm. there is a giant brain operating there, and and it is a man who is not just smart. (laughs) He got a third eye, Jack. Mm -hmm. He is a deep motherfucker. Where he does his Facebook post when he's talking or discussing things, it's like you know people don't realize like you know he's got a lot like that his. Them still waters run real deep, uh-huh. you know, and, and that uh-huh. ecology and stuff. So, always been a fan. So, Jeff, yeah, you definitely got to come out here and write some more episodes on the library. Yeah, and come hang out with us on the yeah. Screenwriters yeah, Rant Room. Like, yeah. Right. yeah, he's got to get in the rant room because yeah, no Jeff oh can rant. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, let's just tell me, how did you even get to the librarians? How did that come to you? So, that came, I... Um, after my three years on Judging Amy, mm-hmm. uh, I had a couple of kids. I was married at the time to somebody that was from St. Louis. Big family in St. Louis Mm -hmm. and really, really, really wanted to move back to St. Louis. So I I left. We moved back and I was going to become a novelist or try to write movies or something. And we moved to St. Louis and hadn't even closed on our house. And I got a call. To write a pilot from one of my writing heroes, Stephen J. Cannell. Oh really? my God! Mm-hmm. Do you know people? If wow. you don't know Stephen J. Cannell, uh, like if you if you a kid from the old days, you remember his show because he'd be sitting there typing on the old yeah, Underwood typewriter, yeah. and he'd rip out the piece he of was, paper. And I was he was like, the yes. first showrunner that anyone knew what a showrunner yes. was. He, he was, was the first. He was the original. Yeah. yeah, the OG of yeah. showrunners. Exactly. Exactly. And. Uh, and he had been out of television for a long time, and he was looking to get back in. He had this idea. And his agency was my agency, and he had read something of mine, and I got this call. I'm in St. Louis at my in-law's house, and the phone rings. <laughs> and it's like, hi, is this Paul Gio? Yeah, okay, please hold for Stephen Cannell. I'm like, okay, who's fucking with me today? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then while I'm on hold, I get another call, and it's my agents. So I'm like, oh, shit, well, I don't know who's messing with me. So I just basically end that call because it's my agents calling. <laughs> oh my God. And my agents are like, hey, Stephen J. Cannell is going to be calling you anytime. I'm like, what? Uh, Did you get read out? Yeah. Read out? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> so then they call back, and I said, like, I don't know what happened to the phone. I was holding. Yeah. <laughs> what, what my kids? It must what be you guys. guys. I don't know <laughs> so I got. So he gets on the phone. He's like, Paul, it's Steve Cannell. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, this guy's just an icon to me, and I'm trying to hold it together and be cool. (laughs) He's like, I read your script, and blah, you write with Knuckles, kid. And uh, I got this idea. I want you to do it with me. I'm like, 
Amen. I'm Wait, so I, in. Can I, can I put that on a t-shirt? I write with knuckles. You, I write with knuckles. I love that. Isn't that? That's oh and God. it's so cannel. Yes, it is. And the thing was, I mean, he goes in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this was this was like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we had internet and we had Skype and we had all that, but. Cannell is old school face to face. Really? And I, I, I tell people this now. Like, so we I wrote this pilot. Pilot got shot. Walter Hill directed it. It was a whole big wow. deal. Every dime I made on that pilot, I spent traveling <laughs> because I was in St. Louis, but I had to come out here yeah. to be with him because right. he's face to face old school. Yeah. And we shot it in San Diego. Yeah. Shot the pilot oh, in San okay, Diego. Yeah. And it was called The Dark. And it was for TNT back before TNT knew what it was, like right. 10 years ago. The only real cable blow-up at the time was the Shield, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So everybody, every cable channel was chasing the Shield. We got to have our own Shield. Right, right. So I kept getting these notes from the network, like, go darker, go darker. This is the dark. It's serial killers, and it's all this stuff. And I, you know, I did my thing. Walter Hill shot it, beautifully directed, really dark. They screened it for the network, and they were like, oh, this is too dark. No We way. gave you what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> So they put the closer on. They put the closer on over us, and it became, you know, this oh, gigantic hit. Um, but so that was, so I, so I did that, and that, because I got so much heat off of that, mm-hmm. that for the next, like, four years, I was pilot guy. So I was living in St. Louis. I was writing a pilot a year, which wow. was plenty of money to live on in St. Louis. Wow. And then personal life started kind of going south and stuff, and I knew I needed to get back to work work, and um, I was a fan of Leverage. My... Um, my managers sent a writing sample of mine to John Rogers and Chris Downey, the showrunners. Mm. They read it, called me in for a meeting. Mm-hmm. Never didn't know the guys at all. They didn't know me, you know. But went in, met, got the gig, and that led to two seasons on Leverage. And then Librarians is all the same people. Electric Entertainment's mm-hmm. a studio. Dean mm-hmm. Devlin, John Rogers, a showrunner right. creator, mm-hmm. and so Rogers just called us all back. You know, Say, hey, we're gonna do this now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So again, back to relationships, yeah. you know, it's, it's do your job well and don't be a dick. <laughs> no, let me, let me ask you a question about, um, you write movies and TV yes. for the kids who don't know. Because I kids. also wanted to get into just, you, you were starting to go there about how you, um, live in St. Louis and yet you're here. So basically mm-hmm. it's like six and six or something, or yep. depending on what the show That's is it. you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, let me talk about how you manage that. Yeah, that and then let's talk about, um, writing for TV and film and how you maneuver the two. Okay. So about I'm sorry, no I'm not going to tell I, you. Did I just jump? No. <laughs> um, so the well the St. Louis thing, it's here's the thing for if you want to if you want to write in television you got to be in L.A. Sure. You know there's a, there's an outside twenty percent chance you could do it out of New York, but it's L.A. Mm-hmm. and you got to be here because television show is your basic look a, a movie's 110, 120 pages, TV episode of television fifty sixty pages. So and you do one every week. So you're basically filming a movie every yeah, two every weeks. Week. Yeah. Week, yeah. Yeah. And you gotta be here. You gotta be in the room. It's a job. It's nine to five. If you're with a showrunner that, you know, is smart and efficient, you can work nine to five. If it's mm-hmm. a crazy showrunner, you're gonna work eight to eleven. Mm-hmm. But either way, you gotta be here eight for television. Yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> you hear these horror stories of these <laughs> these places where it's like I mean, they're seriously they're ordering up food at midnight because they can't but if you but i've learned from barbara hall who did it hart hansen those guys on judging amy and john rogers if you are good at your job and you do it well there is no reason that you cannot be done by five or six o'clock at night you know 
because it, it's the only it's reason that those showrunner okay. you want, right? Yeah, and the only reason those other shows go so long is because the showrunner's not focused. They're off doing whatever, they or the people don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We done broke the story like twenty hours ago. Uh-huh. I was here though. What's going exactly. on? Yeah. So anyway, so you got to be you got to be here for TV. You know, features. You can be anywhere you want now with the with this age of technology and electronic mm-hmm. because. Basically, in feature world, you know, you write the script, and then they're like, okay, thanks, see ya. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got nothing to do with yes. the movie unless you get lucky, and, right. you know. Sure. But, I mean, there was a thing, I think it was 2008, 2009 that came out. I think Variety had a thing of, like, they looked at the last um, hundred movies, studio movies that had been produced, and the average, the average number of writers, not, not credited at the end at, on the screen when it's released, mm-hmm. but the average number of writers hired 4.7 per movie. What? That's the average. So you know there were some with five, six, seven writers. You know, I just went through the thing with Geostorm, you know, and the, just writers and writers. But that's because the writer, you know, you turn in the script and you're basically done. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that from anywhere. Mm-hmm. But TV, you got to be Unless you're here. like John August or Craig Mazin or something. <laughs> yeah. But so... You know, I mean, it's always good to be here anyways for your meetings and stuff. Like, if, if you're writing features, I'm saying you can actually physically do the work for anywhere. You still got to come take the meeting, meeting. you know. Yeah. Well, you Sony ain't going to be going out to your house in Topeka <laughs> no. to meet with you. You said something really, really interesting that I don't know if everybody heard very clearly. You said... When Steven called you to come help him with the pilot, he wants to see you face-to-face. Yeah. He didn't say he sent for me. You had to come on your own fucking That's right. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how much you yeah. wanted to I spent right. all the money I made on that pilot flying, flying. and wow. staying in hotels and everything, yeah. because, and it was worth every single penny Absolutely. to me. Because that gave me, like, the next, not only just working with Stephen Cannell, but even though that pilot didn't get on the air, off of that pilot, I worked for four years. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So it, so I made money in mm-hmm. the end, you know, mm-hmm. whereas if I had said, oh, I can't make it out there, I'm in St. Louis, <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, then you, yeah, you take your knuckles and you keep writing. Exactly. <laughs> it's St. Louis and uh, exactly. maybe we'll see you. Right. That is so um, funny. <laughs> what was the other question I asked you a minute ago? God damn it, it just came up Wait, the you, blue. you were saying um, the trend, what, transition between film and TV? He did that. Okay. What was the other part? Well, you talked about, you were going to talk about St. Louis and that writing and location, and then I think the other thing was film versus TV. No, or film. the other, oh. yeah, yeah, well, maybe that was it. Okay. I think that was it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just going in, so I'm just, know. you know what I mean? I don't really write down a bunch of stuff. I just yeah. like to have a conversation. Yeah, you know no, I mean? that's just, it. That's why know. this is such a good, honest podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I told you when I said, when I heard this podcast, because I discovered Lisa on Pilar's, mm-hmm. and then I was like, what's this Hilliard what's rant this room? Let me check this room. out, see if this guy knows what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> I was and, on the show with her, you know. Yeah, I know. But that's what I'm saying is I discovered Lisa, but then I was like, your podcast is Hilliard. Podcast. It's Hilliard's podcast with Lisa. Correct. So, and I checked it out. It's like, okay, this guy, this guy's cool. Because I, I, what I respect about this, and even though there's times where I feel like, oh, I think he got that wrong, or I don't agree. You are the whole thing, and I know it's kind of you know a fun thing with the show about keep it a hundred. You're honest here, and you you want people to tell the truth, and so often. That's not what I hear out there. You know, it's like people just want to get everybody encouraged and excited. And that's that's the thing that frustrates me about when you pay to go to these seminars and these screenwriting classes and these festivals where here's the thing about writing. Tell it. Tell it. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Get it in. Robert McKee, Uh Blake Snyder, Sid Field, Scott Myers, on and on and on. 
they are teaching you science. They are teaching you forensics. It's math. They are taking something that already exists and telling you why it works or it doesn't work. Sure, sure. Here's where this happened in this part. Here's the, you know, plot point two in the second act. And here's this. And here's, and even McKee, who's all about the story. And here's why broadcast news structure is just like Rocky, even mm-hmm. though they're totally different. It's like, okay, that's great. How does that help you when you're staring at the blank page? Mm-hmm. Because there is nobody out there that is talking about imagination. Mm-hmm. And that's where it comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't care how much you know about structure and how much you know about where you know you should put things and how you should do this and what characters should be or sound like or how you should describe this or that. If you don't have that imagination to make up something out of nothing, you're not going to do it. This is where I disagree with Pilar, where she feels like, oh, screenwriting can be taught to anybody. No, I totally disagree with that. I think you could teach it to everybody, but a lot of them is going to be bad. Right. Because if you don't have that in you, you know, you can be as analytical as you want with all this shit. But if you don't have that imagination, if you aren't the kind of person like I think we all are and so many where you're standing in line in Starbucks and you see somebody walk in with a crazy hat and instead of going, look at that fucker with a crazy hat, you start thinking, you know what? There's a character in my head and start spinning. Right? Right? (laughs) Because we are creators. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, sure, people get stuff out of McKee and you hear, you know, Akiva Goldsmith, you know, McKee's been plastering Goldsmith's name and everything Mm -hmm. because but. Goldsmith already knew what the fuck he was doing. Mm-hmm. That's how he got something out of McKee's class. Right. You know, when you read all these books, when you pay all these guys for their fucking story seminars and they're, you know, teaching you this and that, it's like, it's, it's forensics. <laughs> it's, it's math. Yes. It has nothing to do. Mm-hmm. How does that help you when you're looking at a blank page? Yes. You know, yeah. and that's the thing, like Thorne and I are talking about doing this stuff for free, mm-hmm. is we just want to get writers thinking creatively instead of thinking analytically because the other problem i have with all this you got a you know three four hundred people in a mckee class or you've got you know however many people on myers online thing or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're teaching all these writers the exact same thing it becomes homogenized so all these writers are going out and following all these rules and all these scripts are going to be coming in and they're just all the same nobody talks about voice Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about, you know, finding that thing and and pulling shit from inside and out. Mm -hmm. Like, do that. Learn about that. And even if you write for three years shitty, you're going to be so good in that fourth year Mm -hmm. as opposed to three years, you know, doing what everyone else is doing because this is what we're being taught. You know, it's just that's my thing about it is is everybody comes at it from like a forensic standpoint. Mm -hmm. And nobody talks about, you know, Tony Gilroy is a big screenwriting hero of mine i think he's brilliant oh my god he has the best michael clayton and then, oh. yeah and he and i have it on my website as yeah, a quote yeah, yeah. The, the greatest quote i think ever about screenwriting is he said he's probably the best writer right now in my opinion yeah, yeah. and the, the level of your writing is absolutely capped at your understanding of human behavior mm, you brilliant. cannot write beyond what you know about people mm-hmm. who the fuck's teaching that you know, and it's like, who's talking about that in all these classes and seminars and stuff? Because that it, kind of deep sub, that's that deep Yeah, stuff that, you know, and know it's, Lisa goes there when she teaches. Right, that's it. Going. That's why. Well, yeah. here's the thing. It's why when I discovered Lisa, when I, I, I had this thing and I was really pressed for time. We're trying to find writers for the staff and I, and I got your feature and I did this thing that, it, that I've called as. This guy in the 60s started this thing for books called the Page 69 Test. Oh, my God. You yes. know about that? Yes. Yeah. 
Or like, it, what is it, like 58 or page 58? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a page 69 test from Marshall um, McLuhan. McLuhan? Um, the Gutenberg Galaxy is the book. And back then it was all about um, media and stuff and, and, and how we're manipulated and you can't judge a book by its dust cover, its blurbs or all that. And so mm-hmm. what he said you do is open page 69 and if you like that page, buy the book. Mm-hmm. That's where it was started from. And in books, you know, average length of a novel is like 300 and some pages. So you think page 69 is basically about the end of Act 1. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of times the end of Act 1 is pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I believe anybody can write the first 10, 20 pages of a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Anybody can probably write the last 10 pages, 20 pages. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle <laughs> where you are a writer or you're not. So what I did a few years ago is I took that page 69 test and I started adapting it to screenwriting is that you know, if you read the end of, of Act One on a screenplay, or you know, a lot of times they read the opening page of a screen mm-hmm. screenplay, and it's like, oh, it's so good, and the setup is so great. That doesn't mean it's any good, mm-hmm. you know. But if you turn to page sixty nine in a well, screenplay. Where, well, where do you do it in a pilot or in a? Well, just because I mean, a pilot's a little different because it's fifty or sixty pages. Yeah. So you'd probably, I don't know, maybe somewhere in like Act Four or something. Mm-hmm. But but just generally for a for a feature, which is like a hundred, hundred and twenty pages. Mm-hmm. I'll go to the page six nine, and I did this with yours, Lisa. And it's look old ass script too. I was like, (laughs) and it's not, and it's not about oh, am I entertained? It's not the book thing where it's like oh, am I liking this? Like at page sixty nine, that is when the writer is deep in the elephant grass. Mm -hmm. You are deep in the muck. That quote: You are deep Deep in the the elephant grass. You got a couple of good ones. Yeah, you know. (laughs) I'm glad we're recording this. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have to make some t-shirts now. (laughs) But that's but right. That's where it's the hardest. And if. And I turned and I read that page, and it was like, you know, your description was strong, your dialogue was strong. It was like, okay, she's in the middle of the shit, and her skills are still showing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to read page 70. I wanted to read page 71. And then I was like, I closed it up, and I said, okay, she's got it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, look, I'm not advocating not reading an entire script for anyone. <laughs> that's not what he's saying, But people. what I'm saying is that, to me, that's my own personal little litmus test mm-hmm. reveal because, and it's, it's not even, again, it's not even about liking the story. It's just seeing the writer's craft right. on the page. And, you know, page 69 is a hell of a lot harder than page 1 or page 10 mm-hmm. or page 105. Right. Sure. You know, right. that's where, you know, right. the meat is and the talent really comes out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how I got off on that. No, but that's but that's the, that's the heart. Like you said, that like that to me is like that's where the real writer stuff comes out. Yeah, like you said, you can do the science, you can take the classes, you can do. Oh, I can get the first ten pages, but it's that middle. Mm-hmm. And every movie or TV show you see, when you get to that middle, you can. Tell, yeah. when you go to the movie theater and I sit there, I can tell when. That's when you look at your watch. Shit ain't working. Because That's right. It's, like, it's all see, plot. Literally, now. I'll sit yeah. in the back. Yeah. And I'll see the. You know when a like and... a two hour movie and you're an hour and ten twenty yes. minutes into it and you're kind of going, I want some popcorn now. And I start making notes and <laughs> right. like, okay, this why and then I have to go home like why did it not work? Yeah. You had a but if you're in a movie and you're just sitting like this, you yeah. know, staring ahead the whole time and and yeah. then the movie's over, yeah. you're like, holy shit. Yeah. It's like what? Well, how did that? And that's the hardest. And you can't teach that. That's just let me ask you a question. Has because I know for me, writing, writing television had made me a much faster writer. Yeah. You know, something I've just taught myself to do. You got no choice, yeah. yeah. Really, really right, fast. Right. Movies I write fast and TV I write super fast. Has it helped you um, when you write your movies? Do you still take a lot more time doing research or do you find it still takes you a few weeks to write a movie? or what? Yeah, I mean, I feel like writing features versus writing television, um, it's, 
it's the same thing, but you're using different muscle. It's like the sprinter versus the marathoner. Sure. You know, they're both runners, mm-hmm. but you're doing it a little differently. And, you know, TV, like how people say, how long does it take you to write an episode of television? And my flipping answer is, well, however long I got, <laughs> you know, exactly. and if I have two weeks, I'll take two, two weeks. weeks. Exactly. And if I have two days, it's going to be done in two days exactly. because that's just the machine mm-hmm. and the machine does not stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a feature, I, 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 I hear that. This motherfucker said, okay. maybe two days. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay, like, you might have it. You yes. can't go in and go, I don't have enough time. Because mm-hmm. you know what? There's a hundred other people that are unemployed That's waiting right. for your gig right. that do have time. Yeah. They right. will get it done. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it, it's like, I, I'm sure you know, you said you did it. Like, what you said is the more you did it, you realize the more you do it, the better you get. The better you get, the more efficient you get, right. the faster you get. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, the, I, th- I think we should be giving ourselves deadlines whether you have a deadline or not. Oh, you know, yeah. You should be testing yourself. Like, I, uh, that's can I not, do this in two weeks? One can of the I, most you know? important things, and this it goes back again, I, I don't see this ever talked about much. I think Pilar does a little bit. A lot of people don't ever talk about the discipline that's required. Mm-hmm. You know? This Boy. is a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like just like the guys that are out laying bricks and the doctors doing surgery and the people making your drink at Starbucks. This is sure. a fucking job. Sure. And you do your job. You know, the bricklayer can't go, oh, I'm not feeling it today. So I think I'm just going to go right. watch a movie. Or, right. You know, you got to have that discipline. Absolutely. And you have to. Set, it's, it's funny. We always work harder for other people than we do ourselves. Mm-hmm. You notice that? Yeah. That's why it's so critical, I think, when you're not working on a show or you're not writing for a studio, you've got to set yourself deadlines. And you've got mm-hmm. to set yourself like, get up in the morning, mm-hmm. I'm going to work today. I treat it like I, I'm, I have to turn this in yeah. on Friday. And that's, it might be Sunday. That's you know it. What I mean? And I think you're, I, you, anyone who does that is a better writer. Uh, yeah, because I, I think like when that. you sit around just like, I got to let it come to me. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to, you know. Every time I call you and you be at coffee, like, oh, what you doing? Oh, I'm working on this thing. Oh, you got a project? No, I'm just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a deadline. Oh, what, is this for? Nope, I'm just doing it. Yeah. I'm I mean, this, this, oh, the yeah. coffee shop this, this feature I just finished, which was totally out of my wheelhouse, but it's, it's this passionate idea I have for like five years, and it's based on a true story, and I was researching the shit out of it, and I finally, this winter, I was like, I got to write this thing. Mm-hmm. It's just time. And so I started, and then librarians popped up, and I was right. like, okay, I know librarians this. So I literally went to, and again, not advocating this unless you got the means for it and stuff, but I went and checked myself into a hotel, really? even though I have my little apartment and stuff, but I checked myself into a hotel for three days, mm-hmm. and I went to work. Three days. And I, well, I mean, I had, I had started the script and okay. stuff, and I knew, but, so but I just knew I needed, yeah. the, I needed at least that much time to focus on nothing. Because if I got up in the morning at my apartment and, and I tried to no write, way. and it was, mm-hmm. I mean, I would get it done, mm-hmm. But this just was like an ass kick yes. to like, you know, three days and I'm spending so much money in this hotel. If I don't get it finished, I was yeah. where I was, was I was like, I don't know. I was probably two thirds of the way through it. And I knew I needed to kick my own ass to get this done because once librarian starts, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to have the time. Yeah. And so I was more productive in that. Like the, the money I spent on room service in that <laughs> hotel, it was the best money I ever spent because I got this thing done. Mm-hmm. And my agents were like, holy shit, this ain't Geostorm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this right. is me. Right. And 
immediately response when they sent it out. The first two studios were like, hello. How can we ain't got yeah, the script? Why I'm we so, can't read it? Yeah. What's up with that? Uh, Why are you hiding it? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to come out. Believe me, there's out. nothing I want to scream and shout about more because this <laughs> is my opus. We'll That's the one I love is that yeah. one that you're passionate about. It, it's, we'll and I will. I'll, I'll, I'll come back or it'll be on. Once, well, once they tell me, it. that's it. Yeah, once they say, because what they're doing now, because God bless my agents for being badasses, is they're like, okay, we got two interested. We want four. You know they're they're and so they're I doing like their them. thing and they're yeah they're yeah. great yeah. and so yeah a little shout were, out to UTA okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well I'm so glad he said that that idea of like taking himself out of his comfort zone leaving the home and, because so many of us do like change your environment we talk about that we all the time like a, like, yeah. at, like a lot of times I'll be if I you know because I bounce back between LA and San Diego mm-hmm. and a lot of times I'll go to San Diego and. You know, I hang out with my sister, mom, my friends, and they'll be like, oh, well, where are you going? Oh, well, I got to get some writing to do. Oh, okay, we're going to bet the house. No, I'm at Lestat's. Mm-hmm. I'll be there from like 7, and Lestat's, thank God for Lestat's, is open 24 hours. It's <laughs> oh, a job. I love that. I go there. It's my little funky little, my little hipster place I go uh-huh. to. I love that place. Mm-hmm. I drive. I get there like 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I have plot my meals because they feed you there. So I'll be like, <laughs> get my little cappuccino in the morning. That's it. I'm writing. That's it. Go to the bathroom. I walk around the corner, take a break, my iPod. You're back. at work. I work it in yeah, there. Yeah. I get my lunch there. Mm-hmm. It'd be like 9 o'clock at night and I clock out. And mm-hmm. it's like, I get so much done there mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, I can sit in the backyard on the deck of my mom's house mm-hmm. and write this stuff or at my friend's house. Yeah. No, because it's like, this is work. And mentally, psychologically, you treat it as such. See, I'm like, I'm like you in, in a sense. Music moves you. Oh. And it does for me too. Whatever tone I'm writing, yes. the tone of the music, and you actually make your little playlist and whatever. Oh, yeah. You make similar. your own soundtracks? Yeah, you make your little. I do. If I'm writing a horror film, yes. it feels like eerie. I'll, I'll fucking yeah. go goth on it, whatever. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Just to. I, it's it. gotten me in trouble on TV shows before really? because I can't, I literally can't start writing till I have the music. Ah, really? So I'll get my like episode yeah. assignment. Even yeah. like there was a couple, there was one episode on leverage, and I could not find the music. And it's like I had nine days, and suddenly I got five days. Oh, really? And yeah. I'm just like, "What are you doing, Paul? I'm trying to find the music." And then it's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And it's like, "What do you mean?" But then, and you look at my playlist. Yeah, yeah, I have a playlist for every project oh, I've ever God, written. I do too. But then once you find that music, you know, mm-hmm. then it clicks in, and it's like, I mean. The playlist I had on in that in that hotel, man, is like an hour and forty seven minutes. I remember because I looked at That's it so funny. often. All these songs, yeah. but it's like you just it puts you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't write in silence. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing I wanted too that, that you kind of mentioned, Lisa, when you were just talking, which I think is another. It's a great little tip. Is when you're writing. I I'm a big soccer fan, and there's this term in soccer called switch you the field. Mean football. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God, my brother. You know, I didn't want to say anything. My yeah, brother. You know, See, I was dumbing it down for the audience. No, 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 I just didn't want to yeah, say yeah. nothing. Oh, nice. my God. <laughs> thank you. Thank Wow, man. Starsky and Hutch, Red Tomato yeah, and okay, football. Okay, okay. So I know who you fucking with. All right. Uh, that's anything. beautiful. I'm a, I'm a little weepy right now. I'm a little... I got, don't cry. Dry <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> that's beautiful. So... I'm a big football fan, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, then you know, there's this there's this term called switch the field, change mm-hmm. the point, switch right. the field, and it basically means take the play from here over to the other side. Mm-hmm. I advocate that in writing. If you're writing someday, and you're starting to, you know, I don't believe in the whole writer's block thing. I just believe you just got to get through it. There is no writer's block. That's yeah, bullshit. but if you you know if you're working one day and you're just like, ah, man, you know why I, I hate this scene. I can't get into the scene. I can't do this. I say switch the field. Get up. Move. Yeah. Go to a, a coffee shop. Yeah. Go to a diner. Or if you're at a diner, go back somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Ch- I've, I've literally 
showered and changed clothes mm-hmm. and just gone I and got dust from over there. It was facing that way. I just thank you, that right? Made a big difference, and it's it so did, funny. didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. Yeah. If, I think that that's a great way to just shake your brain up. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're down in it, when you're in the muck and you're typing, and it's hard. I mean, there was a thing when I was. In the in the hotel, I got to the scene, and it was it's the biggest, most critical scene in this feature, and it's a horrifying scene. It's mm-hmm. it's people doing really bad things to people, and I didn't want to write it, mm-hmm. and I knew, and I could mm-hmm. tell, and I kept, I got there, and I kept talking. I was like, I gotta go back and check that other <laughs> scene. <laughs> I gotta see. I think I could rewrite the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Reread this part. Yeah, again. and yes. I and thankfully I'm I've done this long enough that I was able to recognize what I was doing to myself, mm-hmm. and I was like. Motherfucker, you're just scared. You're just scared of that scene. And so what I did is I took it, I got up, I left the hotel room, I went down into the hotel lobby, changed it up, you know, sat down, ordered myself a drink, Mm -hmm. and I sat there, and instead of, like, starting at the beginning, there were little moments in the scene that I knew... And I just started, I wrote the moment. Like, there was this one part. It's, it's, a, it's not a scene. It's a series of scenes. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's race riots. Mm-hmm. And it's a series of scenes of all mm. this shit that happens. And there were a couple things that I just knew. So I just started typing those, mm-hmm. you know. And then I went back, and then I typed another thing. And then I, w- I was slowly, it's like putting your toe it's in the like water. Because you always talk about work backwards or go yeah. forward yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go linear right. when yeah. you write. You know, right. when I started this script, and I do this on my television scripts too, I may not start at fade in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, generally I do, but mm-hmm. there's other times if there's just a scene I know, you know, that I'm in love with that's yeah, in yeah, Act yeah. 4 or something, mm-hmm. I'll write that scene. Absolutely. You know, because right. it's just whatever it takes to get you it's going. To get you, yeah. It's not yeah. that deep. That's it. That's it. So mm-hmm. interesting. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I, so, I'm, I'm always interested in process. Oh, you want to get into it? No, no. I just have, and it's not, it's not, it's not. This is where oh, she let me set it up. Okay, go ahead. It's, it's, not, it's not, go ahead. We haven't did it in a while. Go ahead. I'm going to be stepping out now. No, no, <laughs> no, no. No, no. Go <laughs> I got a feeling you can back yourself no, up. Go ahead. Now. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Paul. That's what's up, man. It's been great hanging out with you. This has been fun. So stick with us. Now we're gonna get to Lisa's world famous clap back, y'all. So what okay, it's not, it's not Paul's fault. <laughs> oh, it's we definitely John. Oh, okay, good. I thought it was gonna be about Felicity <laughs> no, cutting her hair. I was gonna blame you that you can take it back to him, but here's the thing. So, episode, <laughs> what happened was in episode two. What had happened was in episode two <laughs> of the Librarians. Oh, he already knows. <laughs> go, ahead. go, girl. No, no, no. No, you no, go. No, no, no. no. I, I, uh-huh. I'm just saying this because this one of my favorite childhood movies was Excalibur. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so when I saw Excalibur in the librarians, I was happy because I was okay. like, oh, it's a sword and it's magical and it does all this stuff. But you motherfuckers, <laughs> after introducing him in the first episode and making me fall in love with this magical sword <laughs> that brings me back to my childhood and the first time I fell in love with Helen Mirren and the original Excalibur from 1982 where mm-hmm. I thought, oh my God, this is the way King Arthur is. This is the way King Arthur really is. Mm-hmm. This is how it is. The Lady of the Lake. You motherfuckers killed Excalibur. <laughs> and the damn second episode. Mm-hmm. Episode two. And see, I wouldn't have been as upset, Paul. I wouldn't have been as upset. <laughs> tell it, tell it. If you hadn't have given it 
humanistic qualities, but not even human, like almost like a dog, a puppy, mm. because they gave, you know, it was just a Including the whimpering puppy oh, at the desk. Oh, oh my God, I wanted to stab whoever wrote that. And I had to go back and look, and I'm like, damn you, John. So what happened was, if they had, it would just, it would just been a magical sword, mm-hmm. and like, oh, okay, Excalibur, oh, there's no more Excalibur, oh. But the fact that you gave it, the tonations of a cute, loyal dog. Mm-hmm. I actually got kind of, I actually get kind of weepy eyed at the end of that episode because I was like, "Y'all are killed." They killed Fido, ain't that a bitch? They made it have like little doggy dying sounds, so I'm sitting here blubbering. Stop it! Why? Okay, whose idea was that? Because I just thought to myself, "That is so horrific." Like literally, I was like, "Oh, I'm like, it's some bullshit." Because I'm a grown ass woman who I write dark stuff anyway. But it's like you have me weepy eyed on the TV show because a damn sword that <laughs> sacrificed itself mm-hmm. and died. Why? Who? Who came up the idea of giving okay. puppy sounds? Well, okay. to make me so distraught. John wrote the death of Excalibur. Okay, and that was out of his brain. Okay. Puppy sounds, <laughs> Dean Devlin. Damn go, you, Dean. Go after him. <laughs> Dean. That was post-production. Dean Devlin, because John Rogers and I saw the script, it did not say whimpers like a puppy as it died. Yeah. No. We were all, we were like, when we watched the cut of that, we were like, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he put the puppy sounds in. Because if had it just been So like, nobody oh, said take it out? No. So. Oh, I'm just curious. Well, Dean's kind of the boss. Oh, got it. <laughs> well, he the man sitting next to the man. I see. But see, yeah. I wouldn't have been. Oh, Dean wait, Dean signs the checks. John Rogers is the boss. Dean okay. signs the checks. I would have been fine. I would have been totally fine. Mm-hmm. But when they added the puppy sounds and gave it that quality, that like that, like literally like a loyal dog. Mm-hmm. And when it happened, like I swear to God, if you would have just lifted the soundtrack off of that, just had the sword, I would have been like, oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I hope. It, but the fact that it was like weapon and a sacrifice, <laughs> and it was yeah. like it was like watching like one of those humane society commercials. Uh, like, come on, or yeah, what is it? Yeah, ask, yeah. Whatever the, the, the doggy, uh-huh. save the animals, that commercial mm-hmm. that you cannot turn. Every oh. time you're watching the show, it comes on, and they're like mm-hmm. fucking 10 minutes long. And those, <laughs> yeah. those distraught it's animals. Like... That is how I felt when I was watching I the death of Excalibur. Yeah. It, it went from, oh, damn, to, to damn. Yeah. I was like, I cannot believe it. And I was like, I should tweet this right. And I was like, no, I don't want to tell people and admit that I'm sitting there crying over a sword because they have puppy sounds. Now, I know you can't give away plot points for later in the future. Is there any way that you can, like, maybe get the rock from Excalibur back to the Lady of the Lake so Excalibur can come back? You can't just kill the sword. The thing is, in the universe of librarians, anything, anything is possible. Is possible. Ah. So can I just pretend to myself in my mind yes, some alternate can. universe in the librarians, Excalibur comes back. Like, maybe, I'm just pitching this idea, like, maybe have the Lady of the Lake. <laughs> she thinks she's in a room now. No, like, no, no, no. Just, just, you got to bring it. I mean, that, that was, like, that, I, literally, I felt 10 again. Mm-hmm. I was traumatized by that. We like, had a lot of feedback on this like you fucking killed Excalibur in episode two <laughs> like I would have been fine like okay maybe episode seven and mm-hmm. you know cause, but you can't just make it like make me fall in love with the sword yeah. and, and then you kill it in the second episode and then you kill it in a way where it's like I'm blubbering <laughs> eating chocolate pudding see what I gotta do going, with damn that's some cold <laughs> shit right there who wrote this episode Damn it, John. I bet you're telling me the sound effects came from Dean. They came there. That was, that was Dean Devlin said, it's not sad enough. I'm going to really just rip mm. your guts out All right. right he now. just wants to like twist it in there mm. and like eviscerate and he people. Did. Well, that was so my he cla- did his job. My clapback is like, look, y'all got to like, well, you know what? You did the job. He did his job. You know what? So mm-hmm. good for well, you, Dad. You know what? Well, let me shut the hell up then. Cause maybe it's a clap back to yourself. Maybe it's a clap back to myself again. Like stop yeah. being so, but literally it was like. 
I'm like, I am a grown ass woman. (laughs) (laughs) I can handle anything. And I was just like so devastated. So I'm hoping that in the alternate universe, Excalibur comes back. But goddamn those Anything's possible. sounds. Those whimpering, oh God. And then, and then he was just, and then he melted into the rock. And literally I was just sitting there at the end like, I hate these people. I hate them. I'm going to watch the next episode. <laughs> See what I got to do with Paul? Every so goddamn week. on you. I'm going to hear it with this crazy bitch. Shame on you guys. So thank you. That was a great episode. Mm-hmm. Paul. Yes. Lisa, Lisa, Coat Jam. Yeah, that's me. That's what's up. So Paul, um, what's next for you? Uh, I got the seasoned librarians in a few weeks. I'm pitching a pilot, um, and then this hopefully this feature is is going to be big news soon. Oh, you know we're going to see it. It's going to oh, be. Yeah. I'll get my daily blur from Variety. It'd be like, oh, da, 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 it's about oh, race riots, like, okay? Oh, yeah. And then and then you'll know. There you go. <laughs> and you're like, oh, he was talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so where where can people follow you on Twitter? Or on Twitter, I am. <laughs> I am at Fizzhog, two yeah. Zs and two Gs. F I Z Z H O G G. Here's the 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 origin of Fizzhog <laughs> was I I was um, dragged kicking and screaming into social media. I was mm-hmm. like the lag. I still to this day don't have a Facebook anything. And on leverage, we had to have Twitter accounts because they want like you got to engage oh, with the audience. Like tweet. Twitter, I don't want Twitter's the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> oh, now God. me nine thousand uh, tweets later. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and so I just kind of like, well, I'm going to come up with the dumbest word ever, you know. <laughs> and there, so there it was. Okay. Yeah, okay. It goes with your personality, though. You're a little silly. I'm so a little bit silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my problem. All right, Lisa, where can people find you at? Well, you'll find me at Team West Coast Dragons. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter. And as you know, people, for the last six months, I have embraced, embraced Twitter. And I've embraced not caring if people follow me or not. <laughs> because, you know, I'm going to find out if you unfollow me because I got the app. So I am embracing <laughs> not telling people not to follow crazy, me. crazy, I'm telling you. Follow me if you want to. <laughs> um, it's a smorgasbord of all kinds of wholesome goodness. And you can just follow me on Twitter. I mean, I'm on Facebook and everything else, okay. but really, most literally, you know where you can find me? You can find me when we do Friday Night Horror, Saturday Night Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. uh, when I tweet with the, all the nerdy people, and we tweet the shows and stuff, like any of the shows <laughs> I love, the genre Oh, shows. can I just give a little shout-out sure, to Lisa, Lisa, live tweeting Conan the Barbarian. Oh, was yeah. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. I was going to keep tweeting. It's like, no, I better stop, because I, I got to read some stuff. But it's like, like it, it, but you know what? When you watch those old movies and oh. you realize as an adult, like, I missed some stuff on there, but I love That's more entertaining to me than, than live tweeting, like, like new shows. Right. I mean, there, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a place for that for sure. But it's like you watch some old classic like that oh and live tweeting. That's beautiful. Well, that's why if you watch, like, Friday Night Horrors and, like, pretty much every Saturday we do Saturday Night Sci-Fi. Geek Soul Brother, who's on Twitter, he does the Saturday Geek Night Soul Sci-Fi. Yeah. And, like, typically it's every Saturday. He'll let you know ahead of time what movie. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to watch the movie. <laughs> Just read the tweets and people's reactions to it. And it's fun when you watch movies when you're older than some of the people who are watching mm-hmm. it and their reactions to watching it for the first time. Mm-hmm. It is hilarious. So, yeah, you can definitely find me on there when we do the okay. movie chats. What you got like next that. for Bit- Bitch Flix? Um, well, the piece I had in there from last, I think it was last week, was Kingsman, All right. which I talked about. But the okay. next one I'm probably going to do, I probably, I just saw Still Alice, which... Uh, we went in, by the way. It's an episode coming out tomorrow. About bad marketing of Kingsman and Look, a bunch of other movies. We went in on it too. And I know, hey, shout out and uh, rest in peace to the writer director of Still Alice. I know he just passed away, yeah, yeah. but that movie. 
Mm-hmm. I'll probably have to write something for Bitch Fit because that was like a horror movie to me. Because okay. if you were a person of the mind watching someone's mind go, mm-hmm. that was the most horrifying movie experience I've ever had in my life because okay. I was just so tense the whole time. So I'll probably write about that on Bitch Flicks. But yeah, you can find me on Bitch Flicks okay. on Twitters. Where can we find you? And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest, Pimp Dog. East Coast, West Coast Dragon. You know what I mean? All that. Which one are you? I'm from the West. Okay, West Coast. There we go. You know what I mean? What? Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to try to get it out of me. (laughs) Yeah. I am your host, Hilliard Guest, and you guys can find me at Hilliard Guest on Twitter. Um, or you can find us listen to the show at Screenwriters Rant Room. I'm sorry, Screenwriters RR. I keep forgetting it's too fucking long <laughs> for Twitter, little <laughs> bastards. Um, <clears throat> no, nah, we love you. We love you. Uh, <laughs> he's silly over here. You're so stupid. Um, He's so stupid. A couple things, guys. Please go out and give us a um, five-star review on um, yeah, where, iTunes where, where, and Stitcher. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> One of them motherfuckers. Uh, on iTunes in particular because, uh, you know, it helps with the metrics and all that stuff like that. Um, if you guys have any questions for any of us, um, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. You can hit us up. Um, let me give a quick little shout out to a couple countries. We've been spreading like freaking ants, man. It's crazy. But I'm going to give beautiful. top, uh, let me say top 10. Let me give you guys right quick. Of course, United States, um, United Kingdom, Canada, Brazil, Germany, Australia, France, Singapore, and Norway. Dude, we are killing it right now. It's, it's good. I gotta go to Norway, y'all. Football I know countries. Norway. Holler at us. I just gotta go to Norway. I wanna go someplace where there's one, there's not that many black people. <laughs> you should, know, you should start doing I, some like I live know. podcasts from I different places. Like, I wanna go, not so much to but I, I wanna go someplace where no one looks like people from the United States. I mean, we're okay. such a mixture. Like, I wanna go someplace so different mm-hmm. where literally I'm like immersed in a totally different world where I can free myself <laughs> and read and write and just eat. That's okay. all I wanna do. So Norway, we're going to come your way. That's what's up. And eat. That's what's up. <laughs> so thank you guys again, Paul, Lisa. Look, we got to do a quick little thing. We got to sing ourselves out really quickly. What? Sing ourselves out. Sing ourselves out. I know ourselves what he's out. doing. We got to sing ourselves out. We got to do paid in full. We got to do at least the first verse or two. Come on now. Do you know how long it's been since I listened to paid in full? Do I, I bet he's got it right there. Have, I bet oh, he can bring it up. It, but, oh, you know, I'd have to get it all queued up and shit. Why don't me and Paul do like a verse Y'all or two? Know what? Go ahead. Yeah, See, I don't know the words. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Come on. We're going to go out. We're going to do this. We're going to do our regular 2015 mm. thing. And then we'll go right into it really slowly. <laughs> and we'll just start to fade it on out. Cool? So we don't know where we're going to stop it at. Okay. And then I'm going to play the damn song at the end of the oh damn thing. God. How you like that? Good now, Lord. so y'all know how we do it on the rant room. I can't forgive us. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> we keep it street. We keep it opinionated. And we keep it what? 2015. Here we go now. Thinking of a master plan. <laughs> but there ain't nothing He's but sweat it. inside my hand. So I, I can't wait to get the next freaking lyrics. I know. So I <laughs> dig into my pockets and something. Right? God damn it. What's the rest of the damn song? Rakim, forgive him. You know what? As soon as these mics go off, we'll so probably go. Anyway, yeah. It's going to come on really, Anyways, really smooth. Anyways, we're paid in full. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Peace, y'all. That's right, y'all. Now, this is in true respect for the god Rakim. Paid in full, y'all. Thinking of a master plan. 
Cause ain't nothing but sweat inside my hands. So I dig into my pocket. All my money is spent. So I go deeper and still coming up with Lent. So I start my mission, leave my residence. Thinking how can I get some dead presidents? I need money. I used to be a stick up kid. So I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up. Cause there's a hole up. Ain't nothing funny. Stop smiling and still don't nothing move but the money. But now I learned to earn cause I'm righteous. I feel great. So maybe I might just search for a nine to five. If I strive, then maybe I'll stay alive. So I walk up the street, whistling this, feeling out of place, cause man, do I miss a pen and a paper, a stereo, a taper, me and Eric being a nice big plate of fish. Which is my favorite dish But without no money it's still a wish Cause I don't like to dream about getting paid So I dig into the books of the rhymes that I made Pull out the chest and see if I got pulled Hit the studio Cause I'm paid in full That was a little better Shout out to you Rakim We love you buddy Peace Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the ramp room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. We tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. Any topic. Even the random. I hope that you ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the ramp room. Ah!